Hey, welcome to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. My name is Roger Nair, and I'm the uh, head of marketing for Man Talks. And I am Connor Beaton, the founder of Man Talks. You are in for a treat. We've got another hour, another amazing interview with another amazing man. His name is Mark Groves. He's a relationship blogger. He's a relationship coach. He's a relationship uh, consultant. Pretty much everything about relationships, and that's really what you're going to learn over the next hour. What do you? What did you take from this uh, this interview? Really, Mark is, uh, uh, he dubs, he dubs himself the first human connection specialist. Anything and everything to do with relationships, with connection, with understanding your partner, whether it's in a work environment or, or a relationship environment, it's going to be phenomenal. Awesome. So yeah, you're definitely going to learn a lot over the next hour. Grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, grab your partner if you have one, because I think there's a lot to learn for both men and women on the, over the next uh, hour in the interview. So sit back and relax and uh, listen to Mark. You've got some living yet to do. I won't give up on you. See these machines can All right. bring you back to We are ready to roll. Hey Mark, um, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Why don't you start off by uh, giving the listeners an idea of what you do and how you got into it? All right, so what I do, when I first started doing this, I was really struggling with, okay, like what is it exactly that I do? Because I feel like I do many things, but I guess the I shifted it to the human connection specialist. And my friend was like, what does that mean? And I was like, it's pretty obvious, actually. <laughs> so I work really in the area of relationships, like romantic relationships, helping individuals, couples. But I'm not, it's not like my sole focus of, of passion. I, I really think that it doesn't really matter what sort of a relationship you're, you're in, the ability to communicate and exist in really high-functioning relationships, the skill set's the same. It's really just the content that sort of determines the context of the relationship. Um, and of course, like content that's much more vulnerable is harder to share, and that could be even in a leadership position versus a romantic relationship. So when I first started, I, I was really mostly working in romantic um, but my passion, I've been in sales for 20 years and I'd always really been fascinated by, you know, what was the science of charisma? Like, what is it about some people that just makes it so they have greater influence and, and in an authentic way? And so that transition piece has sort of led to human connection specialist and no one else has it yet. So I'm a, I'm a trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> we'll see how I feel in like a couple months when there's like, he's on his own. He's the only one. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> first, first to do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear what your, what your purpose is. I mean, uh, it sounds as if it's definitely in that relationship field, but how would you define what, what your purpose is in life? I, I, I believe that at the core of like most of the suffering in, in, we'll just speak in, in the context of romantic relationships. That's so easy for people to understand because we've all <laughs> suffered in those in a way. Um, I won't define that term. But the, I would say that is our disconnection from ourselves. It's really like not honoring our boundaries and what is true for us. And, and even when we get into a relationship at 18, our beliefs and what we want is very different than you know, who I am at 35. Um, well, you hope that the transition happens between 18 and 35. But I think that we often, especially in you know, the way we're socialized and, and cultured, that we get stuck in relationship based on old beliefs and old identities. So, I, I mean, for me, I think my purpose is really to help people connect better with themselves 
and to like get back to that place of, of truth within what do they truly want? What are they really, really wanting in a relationship? And how do they ask for that? Because often enough, we don't have the skill set to even do that. So, I would, you know, it's more like helping people thrive in a relationship. And it could be any, it just, I just happen to be especially passionate about romantic ones. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think, you know, a lot of the times these, these skill sets, um, men especially kind of take like a more corporate approach, especially when it's in their relationship. And that can kind of lead to some, some issues where, you know, their partner really wants to be heard. Their partner really wants to be kind of like, you know, seen and, and, and comforted. And, you know, the, the man sort of takes a more like forceful, almost like a, uh, not not assertive, but almost like aggressive approach, and then kind of takes over the conversation. So it's cool to hear that you know you're teaching these these skill sets across the board because they're so transferable. And at the end of the day, it's just communication between two human beings, right? And I think that the funny thing is is that sometimes in relationships, we think that we need to talk differently or speak differently than we would in a, in a you know a corporate setting or a work setting. When in actuality, we, we just need to show up this, not exactly the same, but you know, the, the, the tools and the basic behaviors are almost identical between both places. I know that the more successful my communication has been in my relationship, the, and the more that I kind of like bring some of those quote unquote soft skills into my work environment, the more successful I am and vice versa. Like the tools that I learn in terms of like negotiation a little bit it, at work really helps in my relationship where, you know, it's like that active listening from that you kind of like have at work and then bringing that in into your home environment and being an active listener can be huge. So it's pretty cool to hear that there's somebody like yourself. And, and we've talked about this before that that's out there doing this kind of work. Yeah, I think it's really interesting just sort of like the socialization of men in general. I'm generalizing that there is this identity of like what is a man and that is, you know, in general associated with like strength, leadership, uh, aggression, you know, you'd say like muscular and those types of things, but you never really... Some, some of us. <laughs> yeah, some of us. Yeah, true. I don't have a beard, so I'm in the like... I would be like totally emasculated with my facial. Connor, Connor, Connor leads the beard department. Oh, yeah, he does. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little spacious though that beard. I am the poster um, child for masculinity. <laughs> you can get tattooed <laughs> beards now though, so that's cool. Um, but what I think is is fascinating is you never really hear emotional, but you, I think we're in a really important time because more young men are committing suicide than young women, but that's not in the media as much, you know, and I think women are really great at creating community and creating buzz. And that's really important. But with men, you know, it's like young men aren't committing suicide because they're talking about how they feel, you know, like we are emotional beings and only having one male archetype of like not emotional is really, I think in a lot of ways, causing a lot of suffering within relationships too. I, maybe the real key is like, how do we maintain our masculinity, whatever that may mean for the person, and still be empathetic, kind, and offer emotional connection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really sort of hot, hot topic, hot pockets, hot topic, hot topic. Um, <laughs> and a hot topic. And a, and a hot topic. <laughs> and hot there's even pocket. some hot pockets in there. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're right. It's, it's one of those things where 
for every like one woman that that suffers from depression, there's three men that suffer from depression, or 3.5 roughly. That's sort of like the national average in North America. And you know, the the interesting thing is that guys generally don't talk about that kind of stuff. And and it's not because we don't necessarily want to. It's because you know we think that by going to our buddies and saying, hey, you know what? Like I've really been struggling lately. Uh, they're going to think less of us, and because we need to sort of like keep up this. Um, I call it the man mask, right? Like we need right. to keep our man mask on and we need to sort of like suffer through it, right? Like we think that that is, that is what being a man is, is that just by, just by sort of like suffering through it and like sucking it up, right? Or just like getting through it. That's what being a man is. And it, and it's actually bullshit. Like that's actually not what, what masculinity is. Masculinity is like understanding when you actually do need support and then knowing the right person to go and chat with to sort of like get that support that you need and so that you can turn the corner and, and basically move in the right direction. And I think that that's kind of the key is that in these situations, if we can really, and I mean, that's a big part of what this podcast is, right? Is it's to create the space for a different type of conversation between men and not in the sort of like, you know, frou-frou fluffy way of like, oh, you need to go and, and cry more and like purge all of your feelings. But to say, you know what, it totally is okay to find a space where you feel inspired and to find a space where, you know, you can learn from other men and their challenges and their, and their strengths and what they've gone through. So, I mean, on that, on that dynamic, Mark, you know, how do you think that, that men and women are different when it comes to their needs in a relationship? And, and how do you think, basically like communicate these needs effectively. Well, I think the first part, especially for men, is they need to let go of the belief system that they can't communicate or they're not good at talking about their feelings. I hear women say that too, but it's more commonly, I mean, I would think we can all agree to this, that it's more commonly a male-associated belief system. It, the thing is, is that most men, if not almost all, are able to talk about anything else. Right. So it's like I think it's in a way I used to say it all the time in my 20s and any girlfriend I had in my teens and 20s would be like, oh, yeah, that's true. He wasn't able to talk about his emotions because I used to use that. I'd be like, I just I'm not good at talking about how I feel. Yet I'm like at a sales conference or in a sales position talking about everything and able to communicate on a really high level. So really, it was just something that I bought into because it saved me from being vulnerable. But it also really didn't allow me to connect. So I think the first step is we need to let go of that as being part of our belief system because it's just something that, you know, in a way we're being rewarded for it. We're being rewarded to not talk about our feelings, but we're also being punished because our partners are not feeling connected to us. So in that gender difference of communication, there's, you know, more often than not the, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, if I had just learned how to communicate effectively and be willing to when I, from like, allowing a woman to be heard or like having her feel understood. I wouldn't have had to have the same talk 47 times. Like I, I think, I don't know if I'm the only one here. I hope I'm not. But where there, you know, I'd have a talk with a girlfriend and I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like we have talked this about this for hours. Yeah. 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 I, I think, like I that. think on, on that note, like for the, for the men that are out there listening, because I'm sure that we've, all heard this in our relationship, um, 
you, you know, whether it's whether you're in a straight relationship or not, it doesn't really matter. But I'm sure that we've all heard this in our relationship where, um, you know, your partner's like, you're just not you're just not listening to me. You're just not hearing me. And and, you know, what is it that like, you know, for the for the guys that are out there listening right now and the women, if, if there's women tuned in, that's fantastic. We encourage them. Um what, like, how do we actually do that? How does that actually show up for you when, when you're working with clients? And if that came up, you know, if, if you had a client say, um, oh, my partner, she just is like constantly telling me that I'm not listening to her, but I am. Um, what, what sort of advice would you give? Like, how can a guy in a relationship listen, quote unquote, um, and hear his partner so that she really feels like he's a part of that conversation? Well, I think a lot of the disconnect, like when someone says, I am listening to them or I am hearing them, what is your definition of listening? You know, because are you just sitting there and being an absorbing board and their words are flying at you, but you're not responding? You know, and it, I think when we learn the basics of communication, when you hear like a psychologist teach their um, clients, you know, how to reflect back what they're hearing. So, you know, that basics of communication, which can sound quite robotic. You know, it's like, um, what I'm hearing you saying is this, and you reflect it back to them. And it's like, is that, is that correct? And the person has an opportunity to then say, well, no, that's not actually correct. Here's what I was trying to say. And it's like, okay, what I'm hearing is, and you reflect it again. And then after it's like, is there anything more about that that you want to say? And I know it sounds robotic, but as we learn it, it's much like um, any sort of skill set. You start to move it into your own language, and you start to move through the process much quicker. So I think that that's at the basis of it. You know, it's finding books like um, Getting the Love You Want from Harville Hendricks teaches a lot about communication and offering your partner a chance to hear you. Uh, for, that's for couples. For single people, it's called uh, Finding and Keeping Love. They're both fantastic books to sort of like get to that basis of standard of communication because when someone says, I just, I say the same thing over and over and I'm not being heard, they're just not feeling understood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. I think one of the things I, you know, I've been in some, some great long-term relationships and I think one of the things that I've learned is, is just that. And, and usually when I work with men is, is actually, um, coaching them on, you know, being able to sit there and, and be present and actually listen without jumping in and trying to fix. I think that's the biggest thing. Like that's, that's usually where I start is, you know, what, what advice are you offering? And usually the guy is like, oh yeah, you know, when she says this, I'm telling her to do this. And when right. she says that I'm offering like these books and these resources and da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because it's like, cool. So, you know, most likely your, your partner is, is feeling like you're not actually listening because you're just offering up solutions. You're just trying to fix the problem, which, which we, as men, we, we have a tendency yeah. to, to want to do right away. Yeah. yeah. And usually I use the analogy of like, you know, your, your partner is not your car. Right. And, and just because she's got, you know, something going on, it doesn't mean that you need to fix it. You don't need to like change her oil or something like that. Like you just actually need to listen. Right. And, and that's, that's where it's fundamentally different and, and it's a hard shift. And I think the, the other, the other part of that is, you know, to your point, Mark, just being able to reiterate some of the, some of the things that they're saying. Yeah. Because often like what the person is communicating and what we're hearing is different. 
that's really the challenge is like you hear someone saying something but through your own emotional lens especially if you're really emotional in the situation it's hard to to be present and hear that's why that reflection really works because you know it's almost like that game of telephone by the end of by the time it gets to you it's like a totally different message yeah well and you can let go of the um you know taking it personally i think that's the other thing is that you know in those heated situations whether it's at a work environment you know with a with a colleague or whether it's in your intimate relationship is that it's so easy in those situations to take the other person's comments personally and the 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 great thing about you know these these sort of like active listening skills of being able to reverb it back to them is that then it's about what what their experience is and you you not that you get to like remove your experience completely but you get to not take things on a personal level and you just get to actually listen to the other person and their experience yeah and i think there too comes into like the type of language we use because i think a lot of and this is where i sort of love that transition of like workplace and home is the and how they're so similar is we automatically can pretty much understand what a corporate culture is you know we all understand that but we don't realize that we really frame a relationship culture and a family culture and so once people get that that there's really like a climate that you create in your relationship and I think that it's really important that we see that when we're giving feedback or receiving it, that be a very baseline of our relationship, that we're open to hearing feedback, even if that feedback might be something about us that we don't want to hear. And I, I think to further that too is to always use I statements because they're otherwise like I feel like this because it's your feelings and people don't feel as criticized when they hear that. You know, like you were saying, it's you have to receive the information in a way that's not triggering, like be able to listen. Uh, but it's also important how the messenger sends the message. So it's on both of us to really watch the, the language that we use. And I hear a lot like, that's exhausting. How do I always be like that? And it's like, it's just practice. It's just really changing the way that our our brain functions in how we automatically go to language based on what we've always done or what we saw our parents do. Right. Yeah, that's really, that's a really interesting analogy that, you know, connecting the business, you know, business, business world to, to the relationship world. Do you think it's almost worthwhile to have like a relationship mission statement or have sort of ground rules for how the relationship should, um, should run in a way? Yeah. I mean, in like relationship agreements. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally think so because here's a, you know, what often ends up happening is we might be in a relationship with someone and our intention or desire out of the relationship can be slightly different. Like, what is your idea of an ideal marriage? You know, like, or an ideal monogamous or polyamorous, it doesn't really matter the framework, but it's like, what is it to you? Because we could go into a marriage assuming that their definition of marriage is the same because we all sort of do that unless we're consciously creating what we want a relationship to look like. Otherwise, we'll adopt the negative relationship patterns that we observe from a lot of other people. Often our parents, they're human, and they sort of in what I think is really interesting about relationship skills, because we don't integrate them into our education system, we're really sort of like always inheriting the relationship skills of our parents who inherit them from their parents. So I really see it as this like genetic sort of transition that we, we don't really think about. Right. And I guess that comes back to the, what you talked about earlier about how we all have a belief system and, and as men, we need to let go of that belief system where I, you just mentioned that it comes, you know, a lot of that comes from, from the parents. Do you get the feeling that, uh, we have an opportunity to sort of, um, 
raise our current men, you know, the younger men, a, a different way than than the previous generation? Is and do you have any recommendations on on how we should be, I guess, teaching the younger men uh, how to how to come into a relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're in this transition zone of like, we can always change what we're passing down. You know, that's what I think is so beautiful because their behaviors and their skill sets. So how we communicate with our significant other, no matter the gender is always being observed. And so, I mean, really to be able to have younger men open up emotionally. I mean, fathers are such a figure to them and, and even mentors, it doesn't always have to be a father because some fathers were raised by men who couldn't communicate emotionally at all and it's not invited and maybe it was punished even or frowned upon or shamed. It doesn't matter, but the, but the outcome remains the same. So I think that it is hard for some fathers to communicate. Um, However, I think, you know, like as a son wanting to connect with a father or connect with our son, I think it's really, you know, two, I, uh, these are two questions that I really think are mildly vulnerable but gateways to really understanding someone. One would be like, you know, what is the dream that you look forward to most coming true? And I think that that's one that people can already sort of identify with. Even as a man, you know, you're, you can open up to that because the dream could be like, being a CEO or running, you know, like it can still maintain this like safety of masculinity. Um, but then one that really digs a little deeper is, you know, what's your greatest fear? And I love that because it really opens conversation. I Like I thought about asking that to my dad the first time and I was like, oh, wow. Like I've never heard what my dad's fear is because I never wanted to think that he had one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's a good point. I think um, I kind of just wanted to... Before we before we move forward really quick, I kind of just wanted to like touch on um, the the best practice before and you know something my my current relationship like when we first got together like we went through some some pretty hard times and um, you know we had a we had a separation and it, it wasn't uh, it, there was definitely a bit of a rocky a rocky go um, in the beginning and and later on and one of the things that really helped us in this communication piece was being able to create relationship agreements of how we actually wanted to show up. And it was, it was cool because when we first started dating, we had actually done this really cool exercise where we had like floor to ceiling windows in our bedroom and we took dry erase markers and we each had a window and I had my window and she had her window. And I basically wrote out like, these are all the ways that I want to show up in the relationship. I want to be happy. I want to listen. Um, I want to be, you know, strong. I want to be fun and playful and, um, you know, all those, all those ways of being that I wanted to show up as. And then we created agreements together. Like, what do we want the relationship to actually be? What do we want it to be a vehicle for? And, and how can this relationship help us both thrive? Because I think a lot of the times as guys, we kind of like, not, and again, this is a little bit of a generalization, but I know in, in my past, I've definitely taken relationships for granted and put work in pretty much every other avenue of my life and, and not seen um, the relationship as something that I needed to invest time and energy. And, you know, I don't want to use the word work, but, but effort into. And, and then it kind of falls by the wayside. So I think something like this really shows your partner 
um, that you are invested and that you are committed to, to being with them. And if you're serious about being in a relationship with them, then something like creating relationship agreements is so, so, so powerful because it just, it gets you both on the same page. And if it's not the right person, you're going to realize very quickly that you have very different agreements and very different perceptions of, of what you actually want in the relationship. And from there, it makes it easier to have the conversation of, I don't know if our values are aligned. Yeah. And a lot of the times people kind of avoid that. And such a cool way to learn about them too. Like, oh, I didn't know that was important to you. Like, that's so great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I think that piece is really important. And two, like, when we're in the, I think as men too, when we let go of that, like, inability to communicate and then we step into it, I think really the first thing, I think it's like pursuing any dream or any sort of risk or fear is you just have to start the conversation. Because cause you have the skill set. You just have to let go of the fear of taking the first step. It's really like saying, I wanted to talk to you about this. And then it, it will naturally – and you'll get stronger and you'll get better at it. So it's really like we automatically know how to go to the gym you know, or like how to build or eat great food and get a fitter body. It's the same sort of systemic approach. Yeah, totally. Um, just kind of like maybe not switching gears, but, you know, one of the things that we – really talk about um, within the context of, of man talks and something that's really um, prevalent throughout everything that we do, whether it's our events or, you know, the, on the website, the blog posts and stuff like that. And definitely a big part of this podcast is uh, the idea of defining moments and some of those defining moments, whether it's in your relationship or uh, in your health or in, in your business or your career, um, it's these defining moments that, that sort of make us who we are as men and, and that have given us the opportunity to fundamentally grow. So um, I guess my question to you, Mark, is, you know, can you share a defining moment for you? Like, a, can you share one or two or maybe just maybe just even one? Like, what's one defining moment that really shifted the course of your life? And why was it so important? And then maybe let us know, like, if it was a challenging time, how did you come out the other side? And and yeah, just give us some some insight into your into your personal life. Um, right a window into my soul I talked about vulnerability and now I gotta do it exactly (laughs) so I think anyone that's like heard read anything that I write or or heard me speak before I usually come back to what that moment is for me which was when I was 27 I got engaged to a girl that I was dating for five and a half years and um, you know she was a girl that I went to university with just a fantastic girl a woman, I should say woman, just a fantastic woman. And um, what's, for me, why it was such an important time in my, my, in my life is that when the day I got engaged was sort of like this moment of reality kicking in for me that I had this feeling of like, do I want to be in this relationship? Like, for, it didn't feel exciting to me to get engaged. And I really started to look at like, why? Like, what's this feeling that's deep in me that feels disconnected, especially having such a fabulous partner? And it made me really dive into, like, why was I doing what I d- was doing? And and I started to do a lot of research, as you, well, as you hopefully do when you feel that way. And um, I remember getting on this forum uh, for, like, people who had been engaged and left their engagements or, or stayed. And I posted my story and... Um, I was asked three questions that really like transitioned my life. One was, if she left you tomorrow, would you be okay? And I was like, yeah, you know, I probably would. And, and then the lady asked me, 
could you imagine like what it would be standing at whatever your altar is waiting for her? And I was like, no, it like sort of, you know, made me like uneasy or um, I think anyone could feel that sort of anxiety. And then the third question, which like kicked me in the proverbial nuts was, um, could someone else love her better? And it was a really tough question to hear because I knew right away that someone could. And I think there's really, because that question doesn't mean you need to leave your relationship, but why I love that question so much is it really is like, if your answer is yes, that someone else can love them better, male or female, it doesn't matter. Why? Like, why are you not showing up to your top potential? And for me, that meant that my truth was to leave that relationship. But it was really like, but for other people, it might mean that they need to put in some work and to like really shift to that higher level of performance. And why it was such a defining moment in my life is I looked back then and I was like, how did I get here? Like, what were my decisions that allowed me to become so disconnected from myself? And I really looked at like the socialization of being taught, you know, you get married to someone in your 20s, you get have kids by 30. And if you don't do those things, you're sort of like broken or dysfunctional. And I looked at the reality and I was like, okay, like how many people actually get married in their 20s, have kids by whatever age, and stay married and in love their whole lives till they die? And I was like, not many, like maybe 1% of the population. And so I don't say that to sound negative. I, I say it to be like, that's our reality. So if you really want that, it's like we need to study what do those people do. And you also need to look at, are you, is your relationship a product of what you were taught or is it a product of what you truly want? And so that was really a defining moment for me and like wanting to understand. I started to study like the science behind what made great relationships work and others not. And I, you know, dove more into myself spiritually to like understand more about what I was doing and why I was doing it and what were like my driving patterns and belief systems just based on my experience. And then what was true for me? And that's always been, I think, you know, anyone can sort of understand this as you go through that process is that you have this unlayering of things and you start to really get to know yourself and understand what you really want. Mm. That's, yeah, I mean, I think you made some great, great points in there. And, and the one, the one thing that really stood out for me that I, I think a lot of guys our age um, could maybe look at and ask themselves is, you know, it is my view of, of relationships, intimate relationships, um, something that I've chosen, or is it something that you know I've learned fundamentally from from my parents or from the people around me? Or from religion, too. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, a lot of the times it's not a cognitive choice. And it's funny because, you know, we we end up choosing our, I mean, for the most part, we end up choosing our career path and the jobs and, you know, the companies that we want to work for and all that other kind of stuff. And, and, and a lot of times I see a lot of people get into these relationships and it's just almost like autopilot. It's, it's almost like this automatic behavior of like, well, my parents chose something very similar and then they just kind of stuck it out even though you know they just like didn't really want to be with one another and yada 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 and and then that sort of filters into their life right or if their parents had a sort of a very broken marriage and that's like they just kind of like let that automatic um that automatic behavior pattern filter into what they're doing so i love that distinction between you know is it is it something that you're choosing or 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 is it not and i think 
Roger had something here for you. I think yeah, I mean, exactly. he found something on you. Uh, on, on, the, on your site, you, you clearly state that relationships happen by choice, not by chance. Um, you know, can you expand on that a little bit more? I, I, we, we love that idea. Well, I think for me, what I, that was really my shift was like when I finally went through that process, I saw that I was choosing these things, but I was subconsciously choosing them. So it was like almost like the moment I woke up was that day because I all of a sudden went, oh my God, I'm like taking another amazing human being down a path where she deserves to go down one that, that she's like has someone who would die for her, you know, who really could love her better and wanted to. I mean, that's the key. And so for me, by choice, and I'm really like my Instagram and Twitter is to create the love because really my concept or what I believe is that we create everything we want. So if you say you want this type of relationship, it is up to you to show up in that level, at that space, communicate at the level you want. Because all of it, you know, most of us say, I want honesty, I want this, I want this. But we're not sharing our deepest truths. You know, we're not sharing what's really going on for us. Hell, most of our relationships are not even reflections of what we truly want. And so for me, I think there's really this part of ownership that as men or women, it doesn't matter the gender, we talk a big game about the things we want, but it's a whole other thing to like be the creators of that. Right. And you just mentioned that you just mentioned your Instagram account. Uh, your Instagram account is um, create the love, and it is literally one of the best Instagram accounts anybody could possibly follow. It's awesome. There's some amazing quotes on there. Uh, for our listeners out there, definitely check it out. Also, check out Mark's website, by the way, which is uh, markgroves.tv. It is an incredible resource. And I think it's important when we're talking about choices, a lot of the men out there don't even know what choices they have available. And I think your, your site is a great resource to learn more about sort of what, you know, what, what's, what are some of the options out there? And, you know, it's weird to talk about options when it comes to yeah, these sorts of things, but really a lot of the men don't even know what you know what is okay you know for them to even consider yeah i think it comes comes down to like resources right like knowing knowing where your resources are and who your resources are um i think in these situations you know when when we get into like relationships i i, I think back to like my early 20s and uh, i went through an interesting phase back then you know with uh, a, a lot of various partners um, whilst, whilst being with one specific partner. Uh, so, you know, and when I was kind of very regal, yeah. Right. Right. That, yeah. Is, that's, that was, that was a very, that was a very nice. And, and I think that's the first time we've used whilst in our whilst, yeah, whilst, yeah, yeah, really. yeah. It was a very elegant way of saying I was cheating and sleeping with a lot of women all at once. And, you know, I, I, I get that not at the same time. Yeah. In mall in sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, while I was going through that experience, it, I, I didn't necessarily want to, to be like that because I kind of felt a little bit out of control. And at the same time, I didn't know where to even look, right? Like, I didn't even know, like, who could I go talk to? Or, like, whose blog could I go read? Or what book could I go read? Or, like, what podcast could I listen to? Like, I, I had no idea and, and I didn't even know where to start. And right. so I think the, the biggest moral of the story is to start finding some of those resources. Like, you know, you talked about learning the science and, and you and I have had conversations before about positive psychology and really getting into, you know, what does a harmonious relationship look like? And, and the funny thing is the more men that I work with, the more that I realize how fundamentally committed 
we are as men to having exceptional and extraordinary relationships. Like we actually really want, right. we actually really yeah, want I that. I would, I would say just as much. I know for myself, like I want to have a great relationship. It's really important to me. And I think it, I think a lot of it comes back to our innate need for um, survival. Mm. And I think having those connections and relationships helps us uh, be protected and, and, and survive is totally. And it, and it helps us feel successful. You know, like I, I think a lot of men strive for success and their relationship can be this sort of like um, challenge point because they're really successful. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurs, really successful entrepreneurs tend to fall, fall into this trap where they're like, Oh, I can't have it all. I can't have the great relationship because I need to focus solely on my business. Right. And you know, I, my company is making seven figures a year and I just don't have time for it. Right. I just don't have time. And that, that I hear that all, all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so funny because they desperately want the connection right. and, and they get into a relationship and they start kind of testing the waters and they're like, Hey, this is really what I want, but I don't feel like I can be successful. With it. I don't feel like I can give it the amount of time. And that's where I think the relationship agreements come into it is that if you find somebody and you know, for the entrepreneurs that are out there listening, um, if you find somebody and you really enjoy spending time with them, that's okay. Like you don't need to feel guilty about it. You don't need to shit all over yourself for it. Um, spend time with them and be respectful of what you are committed to and dedicated to in your life. So that's where those relationship agreements really come into play to say, Hey, you know what? I'm really focused on my business right now, but if you're okay building a relationship for the next like six to 12 months where we only see each other once a week, that's great. I would love that. So so I have an interesting story. Um, for the listeners out there that don't know, I'm literally, as we're recording this podcast, eight days away from getting married. Um, wow. Next next Saturday, next Saturday, um, my fiance and I are, are are walking down the aisle, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm super super pumped. Um, but a few months ago, uh, we're getting married in a in a church in the in the Anglican church, and part of the process of that is that they they make you take um, marriage classes. Um, and to be honest, both of us weren't super stoked about that. We weren't too excited. We thought to ourselves, you know, who's the, who's the church to tell us what a good relationship is and, and whatnot. Um, but it was really interesting. We actually um, sat down and they gave us literally hundreds of these questions and we asked ourselves some really difficult questions. And essentially what they were doing was, was you know, having the discussions and creating these agreements. And I think it did amazing things to just open up the lines of communication. We were already communicating well, and we've always been good at that, but it just sort of um, solidified uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of those agreements. And if anybody's out there uh, in the same situation, I highly suggest, (laughs) I highly suggest going through it. It was actually uh, incredibly beneficial. Yeah. And that's, that's those resources. So, you know, whether it's, if you, if you are religious, you know, you can reach out to your church. If, if you're not, that's totally fine too. Like, totally. you know, there's, there's, there's people out there like Mark, yeah. um, you know, who are doing this type of work who, you know, you could spend an hour with as a couple right. and have some of these conversations about, you know, let's, let's create agreements for our relationship or how do we, you know, I think a, a a funny question that we often don't even consider in a relationship is how do we elevate this relationship? Yeah. Like, how can this get better? Totally. And, and we, we ask ourselves that question all the time. It's like, how can, how can this relationship right. even get better? Yeah. And then you start looking for those ways in which it can act like a CEO, like yeah. pulling it back to the business. Like how can we improve our, you know, how can we improve our relationship business? Yeah. Hey Mark, do you, do you recommend, um, 
uh, mentors when it comes to relationships? Are there relationship mentors? Is that a thing? I know coming back to, to the business side of things, and, and you, I know you mentioned mentors quite a while ago, and I think the men typically would first think of you know their fathers or their or their brothers or whatnot. But do men uh, do men have relationship mentors? Yeah, I think so. There's that like distinction between mentor and coach. Coach, you you pay, and mentor maybe you pay. Sometimes I guess it depends. Um, but that that being like. For sure, like I was lucky enough that you know my father is you know in a good relationship with my mother, and I could ask and reflect things off of him a lot. But also finding like I think that it's a really great resource. Things like man talks, where you go to these environments and you hang out and meet other people who are maybe existing in relationships that are like the ones that you want with the same sort of values and and whatever that means for you. And then surrounding yourself with those like-minded people. I always laugh that I share a Will Smith quote, but the idea that the five closest people in our lives are a direct reflection of us. And I love it because it really indicates like their value system and you know their choices are usually a direct reflection of, of what ours are. And so if you want to make different choices and have a different value system or a different lo- type of integrity, it's all self-defined. It's like, go find people who do those things. And if that means finding someone your age, you know, we have to let go of age being the indicator and it'd be more like, because, you know, I've met plenty of people in their mid-20s who have really great relationships, you know, and so it's like, if you find someone who's doing what you want to do, just, just whoever you connect with, ask, you know, have conversations, go for a beer and ask questions. I've learned so much just from talking to other people about, you know, things that are going on in my relationship. And I, I think that's like, for sure, mentors, great choice. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because mentors in a relationship are a little bit different. You're kind of like looking for just that, that example, right? Whether they're a friend or not, but, um, or a close, a close friend or not. Um, I don't know if it's, necessarily needs to be but looking for an example of hey this couple you know do they handle challenges the way that i'd like to handle challenges in my relationship do they show up like are they loving in public the way that i you know i want to be like all those things and and i think just by starting to look for that you will begin to almost question the relationship that you're in and not in a questioning in a negative way but actually start the question like cool what do i actually want this to look like do i want it to look like that or do i do i want to to be something different. But just, just to challenge that a little bit though, do you, do you think it's, that's sometimes tough because you're only seeing sort of the, the public For sure. uh, version of that? And I guess my question uh, as to mentorship, yeah, sure. like, like, you know, we all don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Sure. Like if you had a mentor or somebody who you, who you have that relationship with, who's, who's willing to share a little bit of the, um, you know, to be vulnerable with you, to be totally. share a bit of the behind the scenes, uh, you know. Totally. And I think that, that that is kind of like the next step, right? Is that when you start to set up the situation in right. social settings and then you get to know the person and then you kind of go from there to say, okay, what does your relationship actually look like? Right. And, and kind of suss out, can this person, can this other guy or this other woman like really be transparent about their relationship and some of the challenges that they face? And then you can kind of go from there and say, oh, wow, okay, I didn't know that you had an open relationship yeah. and, and that, you know, you, you're married, but both of you are seeing other people that like, didn't, didn't, didn't know that. <laughs> and that may or may not be aligned with the values that you want in your relationship. And then you can kind of go from there. So, yeah. So, I mean, kind of on that, on that topic is, you know, like how do we improve our, our sort of like 
our lives or our choices that we create the space for people who will show up for us. Like, I think, you know, a lot of the times we talked about choice and I think this is sort of the, how do we be our best version to create the space in our lives for people to actually show up? So uh, any, any thoughts on that, Mark? Well, I think that, you know, you talked a bit about your early 20s and I can reflect on my early and then late 20s where I did seek a lot of affection through horizontal connections. And, and that was, you know, I didn't really And sometimes realize. vertical. What's that? Sometimes vertical. It was actually it was sometimes vertical, but yeah, the the idea, you know, I I believed that I, you know, that I was getting love from that, or feeling better, or being a man, or all those different things. I can look back now with more clarity. At the time, it was fun. I, it was subconscious fun. But what I think is the reason I bring that up is because at the time I would reflect saying I wanted a great relationship, and then it would have these, you know, short great relationships and they were not reflective of what I was expressing or truly wanted in my in my heart and it took like really sort of getting to this place of like understanding that your life as it currently sits has to reflect what you want to invite into it that's my belief it doesn't mean that it's everyone's belief but I believe that you know if you can't say that you want someone of high integrity or and whatever that means for you and with this set of values if your life doesn't reflect those things because you'll naturally be inauthentic and anyone who's truly ready to show up at that level will walk right by you yeah yeah it's it's a really it's a really really valid point because i think you know in again in that in that space of um, sleeping around quite a bit and, and just like really being out of alignment with, uh, you know, there was, there was a point in my life where I, I totally thought that I had a problem. Like I, I actually thought that I had like, um, some sort of like disorder, you know, like the Californication for anybody that's watched Californication where the main character, I can't remember what his name is. Like he, he just, Hank, Hank Moody. Yeah. Hank. Yeah. You know, I thought in, in my mind, I was kind of like Hank where I was like, do I have an age? Like, do I have a problem with sex? Like, can I, cause I just felt out of control, you know? And I, and I'm, and I'm sure that a lot of men feel that maybe in different areas, whether it's like eating or, uh, with their fitness or in the relationship or, or, or working too much. Oh yeah. Or working too much and not being able to stop. Um, you know, for me it was sex. It was like, I just can't stop. And, and it really took me uh, a while to understand. And, and the, the funny thing is to your point of, you know, how you're showing up and what you're bringing into that relationship or, or what you're sort of putting out there in the world proverbially is what you're going to get back in return. And the more that you can kind of hone in on what are those sort of qualities that you want to embody, the more that you can attract those. And, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a time and point in, in a lot of guys lives where they are just looking to kind of like fill some sort of void because they, they haven't taken the time to ask themselves those questions. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they fill it chock full of, you know, 70 hour or 80 hour, 90 hour work weeks, or they fill it with, you know, copious amounts of liquor and drugs, or they fill it with like super fast cars and motorcycles or video games, video games endless amounts of video games or tons of sex, right? Or porn and, um, you know, like all these different porn. things. Yeah, there's 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 a good topic. <laughs> did you know that there's free porn on the internet? Did, yeah, yeah, did you know that? I just I, found that out the other yeah, day. Yeah, I just found that out too. Actually, I've never seen that. Here's a here's a disturbing. I actually was reading this article the other day because uh, um, pornography is always. Uh, you know, I've worked with some guys before that have had issues with pornography and and had it affect their personal relationships. And 
there was actually, I was reading up on it and there's a stat that said that 70% of the photos on the internet are, of, are, are pornographic images of women. 70% of wow, all the photos. Like that, that is insane. That's, that's, that's true though. Cause if you like Google image, something totally random, like intersection, all of a sudden you get, like, <laughs> and you're like, wait, I was actually trying to get like a stop sign. But the intersection you know? is actually a pretty, pretty good move. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't even. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that is really like a valid. Like what I love about what you're saying is I can totally relate to it because it was like I was doing everything to avoid connection, and so I think I can see that now looking back. And I think it takes really getting very honest with yourself to do an audit of what is your life today. Like, where are you really at emotionally, physically, everything? Now, where do you want to be? You know, and I think that it's really about, there's two things. I think one, it's really important to write down everything we want in a relationship, a partner. Then it's the second, uh, the second part of that is to then look at your life and does it reflect those things? And, and then, uh, so maybe there's three. There's three. Okay, I lied. There's three. The third one is to who would you be being to get that relationship? Like what would your life look like day in and day out to get that? And I know that sounds, that can sound heavy to people. That can because they're like, I, that is a high level of consistency. And it's like you still have the permission to be human. That's not the issue. Like you still have the right to make mistakes. I think the real caveat to all of that and where I used to really play the gray area is that I would learn things about myself that didn't feel good like, you know, waking up in the morning and showering and feeling guilty, like having a, as my friends, we would call it a shame over. Yeah. Where you just felt like, yeah. so, and they're like, hey, you better use some shampoo, you know, and, and <laughs> you would get to this point though, where I didn't feel good emotionally. Like I could tell that and I'd have this guilt and, but the the interesting thing is I kept doing it, you know, and it's like, I was really running from true intimacy. And the second thing is I wasn't honoring my knowledge. I wasn't honoring that I learned that that didn't feel good, so I should stop it. So it doesn't become a mistake anymore. You can't, like if you drink to, to then give permission to make mistakes and to do things, then you have to look at, at really the whys. Because no, I don't want to shame people having sex. That's not a bad thing, you know, to have random sex that's connected. That's fine. It's like, what's the intention behind it? Why are you doing it? Yeah. I think that's really important for us to look at. Yeah, I think I think that sort of like being it, it's funny like I think where a lot of guys kind of um it, I I almost want to say lead themselves astray because I you know there's there's a lot of external influences like pornography and you know bad examples that you know maybe they were raised in a shitty family and their their father was abusive or you know their parents were divorced and and they really had a they really had a uh, a tough go at it but one of the one of the biggest things that I see a lot of men struggle with is that they actually intellectualize it to the point where they can convince themselves of almost anything. And we, we need to tap back into this space of like trusting our gut, right? I mean, I, I like to call it intuition. Um, but I think what resonates with a lot of guys when I talk to them about it to kind of like re reconnect them to it is you need to trust your gut. Cause a lot of the times when you're in these situations where, you know, you're, you need to use the shame poo, as you said, the, or have a, have the, uh, you have a shame over is that we have intellectually 
convinced ourselves that that's okay in the moment. Right. And we, we, we almost like talk ourselves into it because our brain is fantastic. And it's no different than talking yourself into eating, you know, 10 slices of pizza totally. or not going to the gym totally. or working, and, working 16 hours. Yeah. And, and, and it feeds, it feeds back into that like archetype too of like, there's a reward system for men to have sexual conquering. You know, and there's a reward system for like you don't hear your buddies be like, "Man, I'm so happy that you're in this thriving monogamous relationship where you're finding deep vulnerable connections and you're loving at a massive level." Like you're not sitting in the locker room getting high five. They're like, yeah, he's so excited and happy. Like I've never seen someone with such deep vulnerability, right? Like, and I don't think that that's what the because I don't want that in the locker room sometimes, right? But I think it's. It just points to how we're conditioned. And I think, like you were saying, Connor, it's like you might have that shame, you might have that experience, but it's like, why? Like, if you're doing it for those rewards, you know, it's like deep at your core, who are you? What do you want? Like, what do you truly want? Are you doing it because you, that's what a man should do? Because let go of that. Let go of that idea. It's like, what should you do as a human being? We learn gender. You know, like, we don't learn that we are male or female. That's determined between the legs. But, like, what really is our gender is in our head intellectually. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and, you know, just to sort of, like, go back to that, that sort of, like, intellectualizing versus intuition, you know, one of the things that, um, that I generally will, will offer up is, is the, uh, the thousand choice test. And a lot of the times we get into these tricky situations where maybe we find ourselves in, in a situation with, with, uh, with a woman or man, whatever, whatever your situation is. And, and we're like, we kind of feel that this isn't right. Like where this is going, I definitely don't want this to go, but we intellectually talk ourselves into it. So whether you're about to like cheat in your relationship or cheat on your diet or, or you, you just don't want to get up and go to the gym, even though you promised yourself that you would go, uh, whatever the case may be, I, I like to use this. It's the thousand choice test. So in that moment, being able to say, what if I made this choice a thousand times? What if I made this choice a thousand times? What would happen? And, and it almost amplifies, it, it actually does, not almost, it actually amplifies the situation that you're in to say, what if I made this choice a thousand, if you're about to cheat on your partner and you're like, oh wow, if I made this choice a thousand times and it amplifies it to the point where you're like, you really resoundingly feel the answer in your gut, your intuition kicks in and it's like, fuck no. I don't want to make this choice. And then your brain can't talk you into it, right? Or what if I made this choice a thousand times to just continually hit snooze and not get out of the gym to, to, or not get out of bed to go to the gym? And your, your intuition would be like, well, all of a sudden I know that I'm not going to be in the shape that I want. So it, it really gives you this, this space to make a more powerful choice because it kind of forces you to tap into your gut. Yeah, um, I like that. I yeah. think like we're always in these moments where we're choosing. Like, do you, is the choice you're making adding to who you want to be or is it keeping you the same or taking away from that? And it's like such a great way. I I really like Mark Manson has an article that's the law of fuck yes or no. And it's great because he says that if you're already in the maybe, you're in the gray area, like you're already in the no-go zone. You know, in business, they say the law of 10, if it's anything less than a 10, don't include it in your life. Like... The thousand um, choice test is so great because it does exactly that where you're like, man, a yeah, a hell yeah is like, yes, a thousand times, right? 
Yeah, I think on the the last, uh, we we do need to wrap up pretty quick here. But um, the the one last thing that I think would be really valuable is, um, you know, on this space of mentorship and and whatnot. What what is the the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? I know that that's kind of a on the spot tricky question to ask, but what what do you think the best advice that you've ever been given is? Oof. <laughs> um, in the context of relationship or just, um, like Let's, I mean, you, you can use the filter of relationships cause I, I, I feel like this specific episode has, has definitely dived, um, pretty deeply into relationships. Um, I think that maybe the like keyest advice I've received in the most recent time that gave me so much clarity is the, the idea that like really the difference between thriving relationships and average or not below average relationships is their rituals is really like what they do day in and day out. And there's a lot of things that go into really successful couples. But one thing that I really love that might be like one of the best habits of really happy couples is, um, I read this in a book. It was so fantastic. Every Sunday they would meet the the couple would have dinner, put the kids to bed, and they would like pour themselves a glass of wine, or and people can pour themselves tea. It's not an alcohol thing, but they like would pour themselves some something, and they would sit down. And this was something they did every week, and they would ask each other, like on a scale of one to ten, what sort of partner was I this week? And what I love about this is that one, it creates a setting for feedback in your relationship that it's already part of your like culture. And the other thing too is that, you know, jokingly in the example, the wife says, oh, you were a four. And, and the guy's like, what? I'm a four out of 10. And, you know, like a lot of people would go, I'm not a four and get really angry. But instead he was like, you know, it's, it's part of their, their climate. And he said, what would make me a 10? And what I love about this habit, because he then asks, the woman that too is that what makes us attend the week we start dating as a partner is very different than what makes us attend six months in very different than when we get married and very different than when we have kids. And we naturally, you know, anyone who says that relationships don't grow apart over time or, or don't sort of ebb and flow, they do. But what this habit really does is it allows us to constantly reconnect and find like what is shifting for each other in our beliefs and our ideas and what we want. Because I think, you know, the one thing is like we create agreements. That's so important. And as we move forward, I think it's important that we honor that what we want and believe will shift. And so it's easier to shift together. And I think that's probably the best habit I've ever seen contribute into my own relationships, but also to anyone that implements it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just one caveat on that is, you know, if for the listeners out there um, <clears throat> that kind of heard that question, if, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to ask that question, you definitely need to ask that question. <laughs> I think that's that's the that's the biggest thing is is that a lot of times we we know that we need to ask those types of questions, but we're scared to hear the answer. And it's in those moments that we 100% need to push forward, right? Um, because you can have so much growth out of that space and being open. And, and like Mark said, to just not not take it personally, but see it as an opportunity to really dive into what's there. Well, and it's that invitation to connect. Because really, vulnerability and connection is all about someone extending their hand, taking the leap, and the other person joining you. Now, I think that it's also really important to honor that, you know, for some people that 
climate has maybe never existed, but they wish it to. So it really is about like taking that first step saying like, hey, this is something I want to implement. I think this would be really fun. And, and the other partner being really open to that. Mm, awesome. Hey, Mark, this is... Um been an incredible hour together. I know I've learned a ton. You, you know, you uh, you have so much to say on the topic of relationships, and it's been incredible. Um, if anybody wants to learn more, they can go to markgroves.tv. It's an incredible blog. Uh, Mark's got a, a, some incredible things to say. But like I said, create the love Instagram account is is incredible. Hey, Mark, what's something that you're working on these days that, that's getting you excited? What's something uh, that people that you want people to know about? Um, right now I'm working on a project with, uh, actually with Connor and with, uh, our friend Clayton and we're doing the consulting business side of like relationships, leadership, uh, culture. We're like, we have programs now that we've constructed that we're ready to go into businesses and, and actually teach these skill sets and other skill sets that are applicable to workplaces. And, and that's something we're really pumped on. Um, and, and so, and, and the men's weekend, the men's retreat. Yeah, the men's retreat is going to be amazing. I'm really excited, and I'm sure those details will come out um, soon. And do you have any other any other ways that guys can get a hold of you? Uh, Twitter accounts. Yeah, I think like you can just reach out to me. I have a contact form on my website. My email is connect uh, at markgroves.tv, and um, I mean they can probably reach me through Man Talks as well. It's uh, and I would love to hear from anyone if they want to connect, have questions. Um, open to that discussion. Awesome. And I think a great way to wrap this all up is do you have a favorite quote that you've uh, posted on your Instagram account before? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do. That one's a pretty tough one though. <laughs> so many. There's uh, one from uh, that I just actually read recently. And so the moment that you feel that just possibly you're walking down the street naked, exposing too much of your heart and your mind, and what exists on the inside, showing too much of yourself that's the moment you may be starting to get it right. That one's really resonated with me lately. Amazing. That's a perfect, perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Mark, for being a part Thank of you the guys. And for anyone who hasn't been to Man Talks, they have to go. It's like one of my favorite events in the <laughs> world. Like we were talking mentors, friends, and surrounding yourself with great people. Amazing. It's like Ted on Ted's steroids. <laughs> perfect. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot.